Hi, this is Pastor David Cooper. Thank you for joining my podcast. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I also want to ask you to share the podcast with others. Together, we can make an impact in people's lives as we introduce them to the Word of God. Thank you for your partnership and ministry of the Mount Perrin family and our outreach. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you today. I'm very excited about sharing this series with you, The Gifts of the Holy Spirit. E. Stanley Jones in his book, The Way to Power and Poise, made an interesting observation about the important role the Holy Spirit plays in our lives personally and in the church. He writes, the Holy Spirit has been lost in large measure from modern Christianity. We are presenting a Holy Spirit-less Christianity, a demand without a dynamic. The doctrine of the Holy Spirit is central in Scripture. He is mentioned 261 times in the New Testament alone. The Holy Spirit is introduced in the creation story at the opening of the Bible. Here we read in Genesis 1 and 3, the Spirit of God moved over the face of the waters. He hovered. He brooded over the waters is what the Hebrew word means. Think of that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. Then the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The world that was created in darkness, a state of chaos, and the formation of everything in the world was because of the work and the activity of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, we read about the Holy Spirit as he moved upon ordinary people, courageous judges, powerful kings, and great prophets to empower them to do God's will. John the Baptist, who's the last prophet of the Old Testament era, introducing Jesus and the new covenant, he too was filled with the Holy Spirit from birth, Luke 1 and 15 says. Even Jesus Though he was the full, divine, sinless Son of God, he shared our humanity. And in his humanity, he too trusted the work of the Holy Spirit and gave us an example of how to live a spiritful life. It tells us of Jesus right after his baptism that he was full of the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, and after his temptation experience in the desert for 40 days, Luke 4, 14 says that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost to empower the disciples in a new way. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 is in a fascinating account of what happened. Now, the day of Pentecost happened 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. Pentecost is the Jewish festival that follows Passover. It's an ancient harvest festival celebrating the blessings of God. After his resurrection, Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples, teaching them about the kingdom of God, the opening of Acts tells us. Then he told them to go wait in the city of Jerusalem until they were clothed with power from on high, Luke 24, 49. Jesus returned to heaven. He disappeared from their sight at the Mount of Olives. They went back into Jerusalem. They were waiting for the festival to begin. They were in the temple courts. They gathered for prayer, about 120 of them. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, records what happened. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place. 
Suddenly there came the sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind that filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them what seemed to be flames of fire that rested over each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God. They spoke with other tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. In those unknown languages of praise to God, declaring the wonderful works of God, became assigned to every other worshiper there, and a great crowd gathered. The apostle Peter stood up with boldness. He told them about the divinity, the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus. The Bible says the people were cut to the heart and said, what must we do to be saved? And Peter said in Acts 2, verse 38 and 39, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 18, Paul tells all Christians, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, which is a party lifestyle, an out-of-control lifestyle, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't live under the intoxication, he said, of some substance, but live under the intoxication, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers the church to preach Christ to the world. It is the Spirit who gives us boldness and confidence when we share Jesus with others. The book of Revelation tells us the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit and the bride, that's a representation of the church. Together, the Spirit and the church say to the world, come, whosoever wishes, let him come and take the free gift of the water of life. Revelation 22, 17. And the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts for both personal life and public ministry. You need the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life, in your family, in your work, in the church. The gifts of the Spirit is the equipment we need to get the job done. Let's look together at these gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, as we begin this study of learning about these gifts and how to be open to these gifts and how to express these gifts. Paul the Apostle writes, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you are pagans, somehow or other you are influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working. But in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, that is to each believer, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good to one or to one person is what he means. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another person miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, that word means languages, and Still to another person, the interpretation of tongues and languages. Now, all these gifts, all these are the work of the one and the self-same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So the Holy Spirit gives us gifts as he determines, and they are 
the gifts of the Spirit. They belong to the Holy Spirit. They're not our gifts. They're His gifts that He gives to us for life and ministry. Now, what do these spiritual gifts mean? What are they in their essence? Spiritual gifts are important as natural gifts are. We have natural talents and abilities from God, but these are not those talents and abilities. They may enhance our abilities, but they're not natural gifts. They're not natural talents, and those are very important too. We're born with those. But these are spiritual gifts. These are the works of the Holy Spirit in our lives. They don't belong to us. We don't control them. They're imparted to us by the Spirit in a time of need. So Paul begins, and he tells us in verse 1, in verses 4 through 6, what these gifts mean. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, he begins, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now the term here, gifts of the Spirit, is the Greek word pneumaticon. And it means literally things pertaining to the Spirit. You could translate it spiritual things, works of the Holy Spirit. So this is a, a general word he begins with about the works of the Spirit, about the things of the Holy Spirit, about spiritual things, he says. I don't want you to be uninformed, unaware. Now, the word pneuma, this word from pneumaticon, is the great word for spirit and for wind. So this is a word of the Holy Spirit in the Greek. So the term pneumatics is a term we use in physics to describe the power of wind, air, and natural gas. So our word pneumatics comes from this Greek word, pneumaticon. So Paul says, now regarding spiritual things, the works of the Spirit, how the Spirit moves, what the Spirit does, the gifts of the Spirit. I want you to be fully informed. I want you to be aware of what these gifts are. Now, when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, the people heard the sound of a rushing mighty wind that filled the whole house where they were sitting. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 tells us. So here that analogy of wind it was to them like the sound of a violent wind, of what the King James calls a rushing mighty wind. That is the pneumaticon of the Spirit. And that's not to say that we're going to hear wind. It was a unique sign for that day because it marked the coming of the Holy Spirit and it marked the birth of the church. And so God gave them these incredible signs that day for they, them to understand the significance of Pentecost. That's why they heard the sound like a blowing wind. And they saw what looked like flames of fire. God gave them these extraordinary signs to mark the coming of the Holy Spirit in a new way. So the first word we learn here is pneumaticon, things of the Spirit. Now, the word gifts, also used here, is the great word charisma, charismata. We use that word all the time. We say she has a charismatic personality. So we use the term charisma. We speak of a person's charisma, their appeal, their ability to communicate with others. It comes from this Greek word, the gifts of the Spirit. Charisma, 
And we're going to talk a lot about this word because this is a very, very important word in the New Testament. So Paul uses this next word, the gifts of the Spirit, the charisma of the Spirit, the charismata. He goes on to write, there are different kinds of gifts as charisma, but the same Spirit distributes them. So the Holy Spirit provides a variety of different gifts to us. Notice the word different. He says here there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. They're not all the same. And he distributes them differently to people. So the spiritual gifts that work in your life may be different from someone else's and will be. That creates this interdependency we have upon one another in the church. So we all have gifts, but we need each other to have all of the gifts at work. We don't all have the same ministry gifts or the same anointings, and God has ordained it that way. Now, there's a third word he uses, and that is the word service. And that word in the Greek means ministry. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. But here we see an insight into gifts. The spiritual gifts are given for ministry. They're given to serve others. They're not given to serve us. They're given to empower us to serve others and to do the ministry of Christ. The purpose of the gifts is to serve in Christian ministry. And all ministry exists to exalt Jesus as Lord. It doesn't exist to exalt a person. Whenever you see a person that has his ego in ministry, no, that's not the anointing of God. That's not the purpose of the anointing. That's not the purpose of the gifts. All gifts go into operation to empower us to minister in Jesus' name, to bring glory to Jesus. Now, there's another word we see here in the Greek language, and the Greek language, of course, is the language of the New Testament. That's why it's important for us to look at these particular words and their root meanings so that we understand these things of the Spirit. He used the word workings, and this is the Greek word energeo for our English word energy. So this is a word that means the energy, the power. Energy is power in operation. So he writes, there are different kinds of working. But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So here the Spirit of God works in us and works through us as God uses us to do his work. It is God who is at work in these gifts. That is not to say that God manipulates us or controls us when we use the term God uses us, we need to understand what that means. We're always in full capacity of ourselves, but that God is allowing us to share in the ministry of grace to others. So the things of the Spirit, the pneumaticon, the charisma, the charismatic, the gifts, the graces of the Spirit, the gifts are for service, the gifts are expressions of energy of God's power. It is God who is at work in the gifts and God who is at work in the church. Philippians 2 and 13 says, it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Now, this should not make us feel arrogant or prideful because it is God who is at work. God works through our humanity. We're still imperfect. We're imperfect vessels. But Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So you and I are jars of clay made from the dust of the ground, but we're redeemed 
by the blood of Christ and by the grace of God. And in us, the Holy Spirit resides. And he will anoint us with power to serve so that God can work through us to minister his grace to others. What a privilege to know that you and I can be a jar of clay through which the treasure of God's grace is given to someone else. Now, there's another word used here in the Greek language. And he says the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The word manifestation means to shine forth like a bright light bursts forth. So he writes now to each one, to each person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, you're the light of the world. So these gifts are like the light of Christ shining through a person. And the gifts are for the common good. In other words, they're not to benefit a person. They are enabling us to benefit others. And they serve the common good. So anytime a true spiritual gift is in operation, there is a goodness that comes. Now, when charlatans and these fake preachers and evangelists and people that claim to do healings, when they appear, it's only serving them. There's no real good that comes from that. People get caught up in a hysteria. They get caught up in emotionalism. And that's not the gifts of the Spirit. That's just manipulation. That's just a charlatan at work. Jesus warned us about those people in Matthew chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, a good tree brings forth good fruit and a bad tree brings forth bad fruit. Beware of false prophets. Outwardly, they are in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. Many will come to him on that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and do many wonderful works? But Jesus said, I will profess I never knew you. So the gifts of the Spirit are for the common good. They build others up. They're not selfish. They don't exalt individuals. They're not for ego. The gifts of the Spirit are the manifestation, the shining forth from our lives of the light of Christ. And they bring good to everyone when these gifts are in operation. The gifts of the Spirit bring the light of Christ brightly through the church. The common good here is the Greek word for symphony. So the common good means unity. True gifts don't divide. They don't divide the church. They bring believers together in unity so that we sound like a symphony. That's the Greek word for unity. We read about the unity of the Spirit, the symphono, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the common good. So we need the spiritual gifts in operation. We need real, true spiritual ministry led by the Spirit because that brings us into unity. When you get a church or a group of believers operating in the flesh, there's disunity and arguments. But when the Spirit of God is at work and we're submitted to the Spirit and our ministry is truly anointed by God, it serves the common good. It brings unity to the church and goodness to every person. The gifts serve the good of the church to bring God's people together in unity. Now, what is the purpose of these gifts? The most important gift is to strengthen the church. That's the most important purpose and outcome goal of the gifts of the Spirit. When Paul writes about these gifts further in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26, he says, let everything be done for the strengthening of the church. The second purpose of gifts is to equip believers for works of ministry. 
How are you and I supposed to do the work of ministry if we don't have the ability to do it? We can't minister for people for Christ out of our natural talent and ability. Spiritual ministry is that. It is spiritual. It is pneumaticos. It is the work of the Spirit of God through our humanity. Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12, Paul says, It was he, Christ, who gave Sunday the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So the gifts strengthen the church. The gifts equip us for works of ministry. I can't imagine trying to do ministry in myself. The very fact that I'm a pastor, that is a spiritual gift. We need the gifts in order to minister effectively. We need a total dependency upon the Holy Spirit. We can use our talents and gifts and abilities that God gave us naturally. We need to do that. Good stewards of our talents. But we need a humble dependency upon the Holy Spirit that he might use us and flow through us and give us wisdom and knowledge and discernment and power that grace, miracle grace might flow through our ministry. The gifts are given, third of all, to serve others in ministry. First Peter 4.10, the apostle Peter writes, each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully ministering God's grace in its various forms. And finally, the gifts confirm the gospel of Christ when it is preached. Hebrews 2, verse 3 and 4 says that God testifies to the gospel with signs, miracles, wonders, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. The gifts belong to the Holy Spirit, not to us, but we belong to God. We cannot lay claim on any of these gifts and say, this is my gift. I have the gift of wisdom. I have the gift of discernment, as some people say. No, we don't have these gifts. We are open channels. We are jars of clay in which these gifts are given and flow through us as he determines, not as we determine. The gifts belong to the Spirit, and he gives them to us. Paul writes again, all these are the work of the one and self-same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. 1 Corinthians 12, 11, when we're privileged to minister to people and we see God's grace at work, we should always give God's glory. We give him the praise because each gift that flows through us belongs to the Spirit. God gave them to us at that moment for that time as he determined, not as we determined, in order that Christ might be glorified. Let's join together in prayer. Father, I thank you today for the time we shared in learning your word. I pray that each of us will become very open to the Holy Spirit, dependent on the Holy Spirit, that your gifts might be given to us that we might minister and serve others in a way that brings glory to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining me for the study. I'm looking forward to getting into each one of these gifts and explaining what they are, how you can recognize them, and how they can be at work in your life as well. Let me encourage you to get the Mount Perrin app if you don't have it today, and encourage others to subscribe to my sermon podcast where they can be a part of the Bible study as well. I'm looking forward to seeing you in church this Sunday. We've got a great day planned. Thank you for your commitment to the ministry. God bless you richly. Thank you for joining me today as we've shared together the Word of God. Let me ask you to download the Mount Perrin Church app today so that we can stay connected and you can see all the great services and resources available for you and your family. Follow me on social media and also the Mount Perrin Church family. I look forward to seeing you in church to worship on campus and online. God bless you. Have an incredible day.